Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Yes, uh, if you don't have a handout, um, I have a couple more. He- yes, I have a couple more here. So, uh, yes, and if they're not enough, there should be more on the, um, on the lobby. No, I have one. Thank you very much. Let me just make sure that my phone is on airplane mode. Mm. There we go. Let me make sure that I have no distractions in front of me. How are you guys doing? <laughs> and of course, uh, the week after I'm teaching about spiritual maturity, I'm up here about to cry and trembling <laughs> like a little child. And, <laughs> and this is the thing. Um, while, while handouts are, are being passed around... <clears throat> Let me just check with Daniel. Daniel, is the mic okay? Are we good? Perfect. Um, When Jesus comes and meets you, you have a bodily response. And your body or your whole physical body can do nothing but fall on his knees. When Jesus comes to you, is to tell you one thing and one thing alone. Love is not a feeling. For many years, I was taught that love is a decision. And yes, that applies for marriage and for many things. But when Pastor Tom preached about peace, he said that peace is not the absence of war. Peace is a person. Love is a person. And is the person of Jesus of Nazareth. His last name is not Christ. <laughs> Christ uh, has a meaning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Jesus, our Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, God Himself. And if you can hear my voice tonight, He loves you so much that He willingly went to the cross. And the love of God, it's not limited to your life. It's It extends to your children and the children of your children. That's something that I just now became uh, to understand and realize. And and in my prayer tonight, yes, I, I have a message that God has assigned for me to give. But my prayer is that um, you overflow to such measure that you understand that those who are to come after you will be... Um, will be reached, like just the song said, will be found by the love of God. Uh, I will go on, and time is short, so I will just do a short recap, <clears throat> trying to put myself together a little bit, because um, I was not expecting this, but that's what Jesus does sometimes. <laughs> He's a God of order, otherwise the sun will not come up every day at the time it does. But also, he loves to do some quirky things that are wonderful. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so if you were here last Wednesday, I'm going to recap. And uh, basically, God is preparing us for a season. And he highlighted three M's. And those three M's 
I spoiled it from you from the very beginning, is maturity, mother, and mercy. Uh, today we're going to go over the last two, uh, mother and mercy, and you will know what is that all about in a bit. Maturity, we talked about spiritual maturity and how uh, we can be influenced by the spirit of Jezebel. Uh, yes, we are in Christ. I give you an example. It was very transparent that I was influenced by the spirit of Jezebel. That God gave me a dream that I was going to be influenced by the spirit of Jezebel. Uh, so, um, sometimes we over-spiritualize things and use uh, these entities in the Bible or these uh, characters in the Bible uh, to demonize others. Uh, but that's not the point. We're missing the point. They're there to serve as an example because... The only perfection is Jesus. The Bible says so. We are out to be perfected. So last Wednesday, we saw that um, we can be influenced by the spirit of Jezebel. And the spirit of Jezebel brings with uh, itself, to put it, it on it, not gender, um, puts in, uh, um, brings with itself um, a fake prophetic, a prophetic that is from the flesh. So we talked about it, we review it, and um, in the next two minutes, uh, something that was worth reviewing is that the absence or being critical towards the prophetic, it's in no way an, indica an indication of maturity. And I say this because I've, I've heard uh, messages um, from many outlets when uh, churches like ours, and I'm, if you don't know me, I tend to be a little honest and just uh, I don't like to poke the bear, but maybe I just say things so know that there's no underlines with what I'm saying. But churches like ours, uh, uh, where the, we allow and we want the Holy Spirit to move, and uh, these messages will put themselves on a pedestal stating that there has, there's no maturity in the move of the Spirit or on Christians that are Spirit-filled, and they speak in tongues, um, and they're quite critical of that. And... That is not maturity. It presents itself as maturity, but it's nothing but apathy uh, towards the work of the Holy Spirit is never a sign of maturity. It's just apathy, period. But we also saw, and the last point that I wanted to touch on, that uh, I did get a suggestion, and this is quite important, and uh, I failed to mention properly last Wednesday, is that, yes, the Holy Spirit wants to operate our church, Global River, and the church needs the power of the Holy Spirit through the person of Jesus Christ. I didn't know this, but I found in the Bible one time that the Spirit, Jesus said that the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak for himself. I'm like, what? 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 He speaks what Jesus, and there's a connection. He reveals Jesus. He's just not a spirit that comes and presents itself just like that. It will go against the Word of God if that, an encounter like that happens. Because there's one way, and it's Jesus. To who? Not to other spirit, but to God the Father. So it, there has, it, it's such a, um, um, a connection. It's just so tight and perfect that it's, it's, when we look at these things, um, we know how little we know and how much we need of the Holy Spirit and how much we need, need of Jesus. But on a church environment, God knows that we're a work in, pro, uh, in process. In our daily lives, we're a work in process. So it is very interesting. And the last point, and I'm going to take one minute on this, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 15, verse 15. If you want to write it down and meditate on it at home, 
Um, and it's basically a very interesting picture, picture on how um, on a church environment, the spiritual gifts um, can operate. The verses like this can be interpreted as, again, let's set up boundaries. But it's not about boundaries. It's about order. I give, uh, I love comedy. I am terrible at that. I have so many dad jokes, but I enjoy a good comedy. <laughs> I do. My wife is like, uh, really? Again? <laughs> she says it lovingly, and she has grown to love some of my jokes. Uh, when I was in the boat, uh, I was terribly sick. I will tell you some other time about that. But one of the signs there, I was, again, myself, I told a terrible joke, and Pastor Tom said, ha, he's back. <laughs> so that's how bad my jokes are. <laughs> but... Um, um, so, so the point here um, is that if God wasn't a God of order, the sun will not come up every day at the time it does. The, 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 we would live in chaos. Um, I don't have a scientific background, but it's fun to, to, to learn some conversational science, little things. And it's beautiful to see how physicists have found that it makes no sense that everything is the way it is, that everything is in such perfect order, and every little system and microsystem depends in of itself, that there's no room for mistake. So that speaks of the God that we serve. Therefore, when we operate in the Spirit, it is also healthy to understand that there is a place and a time for everything. And when we're sensitive to that, that is not a limitation, it is freedom. Because we can get away from the flesh, from, and I've told, i I. I haven't fallen yet, but once I even uh, consider, oh, I should fall. No, that's my flesh. That's Nico thinking, oh, should I? No, if, if God wants to, to throw me away, he will. But I don't have to think of that. If, if God wants to send me to this platform shaking and about to cry, I mean, I was not planning on it. And, and sometimes, and what is laid out here, and please read it at home, uh, know that... Uh, this, which is very interesting and sometimes tough because there's even um, reference of how, why women uh, should not preach, which, by the way, I think that is a fallacy. <laughs> the, first women, the first person who shared the, the good news wasn't a man. It was a woman. Told the disciples, so go girls, you got this. Um, so, but, but this is a, an interesting chapter. That's why I'm putting it in a more light, in a lighter way, because it also says, sets some boundaries. And again, these boundaries are not to tie us, but also to give us an understanding of the freedom that we have in the Spirit and to um, understand freedom, and true freedom in the Spirit versus uh, um, um, manifestation of emotions that, that get over-spiritualized. And for today, so that was it about last Wednesday, um, for today, my, in, my intention, and I will ask for your forgiveness in advance, I might be extra quirky because God told me have fun through several people, <laughs> and I like to have fun. Uh, so please uh, give me some grace. <laughs> um, so today we're going to close with uh, the, the two M's that remain. One is mother and one is mercy. And I'm going to illustrate uh, mother and mercy uh, through the book of Numbers. And we're going to go back and forth through the book of Numbers in chapter 16. So you can look at it. Uh, I'm, we're going to go through that in a second. Um, and we're going to read it. 
So um, the I'm going to start with this. <clears throat> and I am actually going to start from verse 2. Um, and this, this is another spoiler, but I'm just going to go at it because it's the Word of God and it's there. And I'm going to start with verse 2. Chapter 16, uh, Numbers, chapter 16, verse 2. They incited a rebellion against Moses along with 250 other leaders of the community, all prominent uh, members of the assembly. They united against Moses and Aaron and said, You have gone too far. The whole community of Israel ha has been set apart by the Lord. And he is with all of us. What right do you have to act as though you were greater than the rest of the Lord's people? When Moses heard they were say, what they were saying, he fell face down on the ground. If you um, have the habit of highlighting your Bible, I want you to highlight that part. After the comma, in my version, there's a comma that says, he fell face down on the ground. And we'll carry on. Uh, verse 5, then he said to Korah and his followers, tomorrow morning the Lord will show us who belongs to him. There is a note that says in some Greek versions, uh, it reads, God has, visit, uh, has visited and knows those who are his. And who is holy? The Lord will allow only those whom he selects to enter his own presence. Korah, you and all your followers must prepare your incense burners. Light fires in them tomorrow and burn incense before the Lord. Then we will see whom the Lord chooses as his holy, as his holy one, I'm sorry. You Levites are the, one, the ones who have gone too far. Then Moses spoke again to Korah. Now listen, you Levites, does it seem insignificant to you that the God of Israel has chosen you from among, from among all the community of Israel to be near Him so you can serve in the Lord's tabernacle and stand, and stand before the people to minister to them? Korah, he has already given his special ministry to you and your fellow Levites. Are you now demanding that the priest, the, demanding the priesthood as well? The Lord is the one you and your followers are really revolting against. For who, for who is Aaron that you are complaining about him? We're going to stop there. And uh, if you have something to set that verse aside, because we're going to go jump back and forth. So, um, this was a fun one, and the whole message was a little thick um, when, I, when I was getting the download, but this was a fun one because I learned some things through the whole process. And in your handout, I actually found those little nuggets that just give more depth and texture. Um, my love language is food, so... I enjoy a meal, or if you know me, you know I like coffee. And a good coffee, it's known by its texture. It's, there's complexity. It's just not, oh, it tastes burnt. By the way, if it tastes burnt, you're drinking bad coffee. So the point is, when there is good word, there is texture. There's 
levels of it. And God highlighted this verse and was like, no way, you are kidding me. Because God uh, um, painted the picture in Numbers in the story of Korah and the rebellion um, to explain the second M, which is mother and mercy. Pastor Tom, and I'm going back to, the, to, to what Pastor Tom has had in his heart for a couple years. And the second and the third M are attached to rebellion and witchcraft. I'm not going to hold anything. I might give you some spoilers, and I will work on that as we go through. So if we look on to uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5, this was such a good verse. Because it basically says, and I love this, because God highlighted, hey, I want Nico. Let's, let's look deep what happened with Moses. And uh, it was, as I was studying this, there is such richness, and there's rabbi traditions that go in depth with, uh, with Moses and, and the high profile that he is and how it means to, to, the, to, to the Jews. Uh, but then I get this golden nugget in his chapter 3. And in my, uh, in my Bible here, there's a title for this chapter, and it's Jesus is greater than Moses. I'm like, oh boy, what is this? And I'm going to jump to verse, um, to verse 5. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God will reveal later. Today, August the 11th. Like, it's in there. We're doing, I mean, this is in the Bible, so we're good. So far, we're good. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ, that is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. And I say this, and I give you this example. If you're married, you know how difficult it is to not harden your heart in an argument. It's terrible. It feels awful, but then it feels wonderful. So the Bible in the New Testament, um, we find that the, um, these stories in uh, Moses' Moses's life as an example, serves as an example of many truths that we're up to find. And one of those is what happened with rebellion. And today is the other side of the coin as well. What happened with those who rebelled and what happened with those who received or were rebelled against. And God is highlighting these three M's and He's always bringing me back to this because some things might sound harsh, but it's not about again poking the bear. It's about God's character because it's like, if you spend all day, those who, are, uh, who have children or a very dear friend, if you don't have children, um, if you spend all day preparing an amazing meal and you're so exciting for a family gathering, but they don't show up, you don't get offended. It hurts you because you miss that person. Like the, the desire of community, the desire of communion is greater than the offense. And what you feel is like, ah, if... I wish they were here. And that's the character of God. If He highlights these things in us, it's not to condemn us. The Bible says quite the opposite. 
We know this one, God disciplines those who he loves. But also, there's a beautiful picture in Hosea, chapter 2 and verse 14. And it says, but then I will win her back once again. I would lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. That's the character of our God. And if everything that we teach doesn't lead us to the person of Jesus Christ, God's character, we're in dangerous grounds because we uh, can start just preaching for the sake of poking the bear. If we, no, I'm good, Doc. Thank you very much. I have one here. If you having, are having interactions or confronting someone and you're angry, it's dangerous ground because it might be difficult to lead that person to the love of Christ. So I encourage you to dwell in God's love for you. He loves you so, so, so much. And this is Old Testament. This is Old Testament. I mean, if, if, if this doesn't speak of grace... Is because you're not listening. So, when we looked into the second M, which is mother, God highlighted mother as a picture, as a way, um, as um, not a picture, I'm so sorry, as um, the place that is occupied by someone in the family, and that's a mother. A mother, now I have one at home, our baby Johan, and I know how they react when their baby cries. I see it. Dads, I've heard this so many times. There'll be a time when you're going to let him cry and you're going to have a hard time. And my wife, I heard this many times, and my wife will want to go. But then this is from people who have told me what they've done with their kids and given us some, some advice. But a mother cannot stand, cannot stay far from his child if he's crying. There is in you mothers, I have no authority on saying this because I did not carry this, but I've seen it, I witnessed it. You, you girls know that if you see your child crying, sad, or if he needs your help, he or she needs your help, you're running, right? Right? So God highlighted the mother, the character of God as a mother, because sometimes, and this was through a dream, in this dream, I was very uh, focused on the solution. And in this dream, someone said, but what about a mother? And I woke up and I realized, I have realized that I've been very severe in the way that I've conducted myself in certain areas of my life with ministry. I'm talking about our children. By the way, I'm not saying that we mistreat them. We mistreat the children. There, no, 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 not, not, not at all. But what I'm saying is that God was highlighting my love is like the love of a mother. And I did not carry my son Johanan on my belly for nine months. So if something I know is that my wife's measure of love for my son, it's greater than mine. Just for the sheer fact that he grow inside of her. And God, and we see that God is father, mother. His character encompasses all that. And why mother? What does mother have to do with anything? What does mother have to do with the spirit of Korah and rebellion? Buckle up. So, in your handout, I highlighted the first, the first character here. And it's Korah. 
Korah, and um, I'm going to refer to Korah also as a spirit, as a spirit. Um, not because the Bible says right away, and there is a spiritual entity that is called Korah, and you must cast it out. Um, there might be in there on a deeper level that requires more study, but I can, we can see in the story of uh, number 16 that there is a spirit that operated through Korah, and this spirit displayed rebellion. And it's very interesting because it's not just any rebellion. It's not from just anybody. It's just not criticism. If we, see if, if we see actually this is something that happens in our church today, again, not poking the bear, but it can operate through you, it can operate through me. So let's, let's learn a little bit about the spirit of Korah and what happened with it and how it can affect us. Well, if we see through the story, um, if we go back to Numbers chapter 16, who was Korah? Korah was a Levite. Korah was a prominent member of the, uh, in, the in, in, in that time. We see through, through, through the accounts that he ha was able to, to gather people and not just any people. Good speeches can gather many, but those who are in uh, higher authority are not easily persuaded by speech. There is a different level that is required. So the Bible is telling us that along with Korah, there were two other men and 250 people, leaders of the community. It is very interesting because um, a leader understands what happens. A leader is a part of a process, of a body, of a church body. For example, my wife and I are leaders of the kids' ministry. Therefore, we have access to information that uh, many of you just don't have because our sphere of influence requires so. So a leader in the community has insight on things. And there's 250 of them that sided with Korah to rebel against Moses. And I'm going to put a pin on it, another, let's call it, look, just nuggets of flavor. Coruscants are not here. And I'm going to go back to that later. Coruscants are not here. So, Korah actually um, incited this rebellion against, against Moses. And this is the thing. What this rebellion showed, I kind of agreed. And I wrote it down over there that... If you look over over Korah's um, complaint and his his friends, I have them right here, Dathan and um, Aviram. I apologize if that is the incorrect pronunciation. That's in verse 12 of chapter 16. So Korah, there was a dispute against the character of Moses and his leadership as a priest. On the other hand, his, son, uh, his friends um, or accomplices, let's call it like that to make it more woo, accomplices. On verse 12, if you read the reason why they were upset and revealing against Moses, I am so sorry, but they were right. If I just look at it and oversimplify it, I would probably side with them. Nico, that's a fallacy. <laughs> Maybe it is, we know, because we know the end of the story. But what I'm trying to see here is that some things are not, everything is black and white. But some things required for us 
to be very diligent and with patience understand what happens. I, if everything was so easy, oh gosh, that would be called heaven. There are so many truths, and you see the baits. That's why we have the baits. And on verse 13, they say to Moses, because they refused to show up uh, uh, to a Moses' request, is it enough that you brought us out of Egypt, a land flowing with milk and honey, to kill us here in the wilderness, and that you now treat us like your subjects? That is a very good point. And if you don't believe me, let's go back to chapter 15. Verse 32 of chapter 15, you can write it down and read it at home. But in chapter 15, it kind of shocked me because someone was found working on Sabbath. And Moses ordered him to be killed, to be stoned. God told Moses, and we see that it was God. It was just not Moses that he felt like killing someone that day. He said, God, sorry about that one. That was a dad joke, by the way. Uh, God spoke through Moses and said, he must be put to death. If you're someone who is on the go and uh, you're, you're there, you're, uh, you're, you're uh, fishing or whatever, you're just going on with your life, and you hear of this, wait a second, he was just picking up some wood, and what you, he see, what you heard is, and Moses had him kill? That sounds very severe. If we oversimplify those things and put it in our daily, that is very severe. Also, they were in the desert, they were right. If I oversimplify or if I just take a first glance at their, uh, uh, their, uh, their concerns or more than that, uh, what they had against Moses, this is looking like Korah 1, Moses 0, honestly. And it's the same thing in church. There are moments when we see things that are not right with church. There are moments when we see things that are not right um, in ministries. And my friend, you might be right. But you might be wrong. And mother goes against the spirit of Korah because for this time, um, you guys have heard that there's a tent coming up, that there's a really cool event coming up. And God put something in my heart in this day's offense. Many people have left our church in offense. Many people are leaving their churches because they're offended with leadership. I'm going to say it again. Many people have left Global River Church because they got offended. Many people are leaving other churches because they are offended. It broke my heart. I, it's not in my taste so I don't, uh, not because it's bad, it's just, I, it's like, if you don't like strawberries, there's nothing wrong with you, you just don't like them. So I don't listen to uh, some, some radio uh, stations that they have good healthy music, but it's not my kind of music. I love, I love death metal, best thing ever after a sliced breath. I grew up listening to, to words, putting, uh, to Bible verses being made, very heavy music, and that was awesome. It's weird, but it's holy, so don't worry. Don't stone me, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Pastor Tom said this once about somebody he said that made a comment of the lines of, well, you know, we are 
your church. You listen to us every day. And if that person is here sitting down or is listening to me, I don't know who you are. I seriously don't know. Uh, but uh, this person from this station, whatever they was, they said, that, so, oh, so, so, so consider, so, uh, so you can tithe. And because if you think about it, we are your church. What transpired through that, to me, it tasted like, are they going to church? I don't know this person, so I don't want to say anything against that person. But the point was is, how many people are out there not congregating because they're carrying offense? And it's not about, oh, they left the church. They're wrong. They're in sin. Mm -mm. That's not it either. They could be right. But uh, when someone tells you, good teacher, Jesus replied, why are you telling me good? Why are you telling me that I'm good? Only God is good. So you might be right, but only God is right, and we need to take things in consideration and meditate before we, 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 we make decisions. And I know that this is kind of heavy, but I'm going to... Uh, please bear with me. Don't leave. Uh, I, I'd say this with love. Don't stone me. I say this with love. So the spirit of Korah, and through the rebellion, we see something... Um, that is quite reasonable. In churches and in leadership, we might encounter ourselves with things that we don't like, things that we might be um, capable of resolving, solving, because we have the know-how and the experience, but we see nothing being, do being done. We can come to church and pinpoint all the things that are done, and we are the ones who know how to fix it. I'm being super real because that happened to me as well. The spirit of Korah operates in that level. And I'm not saying that if you're thinking that, if you have thought of that, you're a sinner. No. But I'm saying that you need Jesus just like me. And this is why. The spirit of Korah is there to take people. They are key to the congregation and have them vanished. You know that the, in the story, and just take, I'm not going to read through it. I plan on read through it, but I want to be efficient with time. Read through it at home, uh, all chapter 16. But you know that the, the, the earth opened, the ground opened, and swallowed them. That sounds like a lot of people. Then you're here, and you're like, what happened to them? It's like if the earth swallowed them, Right? Their whole family, you don't hear from them. You don't hear from them anymore. So what happened with so-and-so? Hmm. They left the church. And again, if you are that person, I am not here to tell you that you're wrong. No, that's not about, that's not what this is about. So please bear with me and don't leave. Um, the spirit of Korah is looking, or the spirit that operated through Korah's rebe rebellion, seeks to divide and remove a valuable asset from the church. Korah was a Levite. I, I looked very carefully into Jewish tradition, because, and I said very carefully because there is a lot of Jews that don't believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. So when, the, when God gave me that verse that said that Jesus is, 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 is greater than Moses, I was like, ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. You got me covered. There's bigger truth so I can keep on uh, investigating this matter. Um, 
Jewish tradition uh, explains the importance of Korah, so much so that his birth, some of his lineage is described in the Bible. When that happens, that indicates that the person being described was very important. Not just any peasant will be in the Bible, just to put it, uh, just to oversimplify it. But my point here is he was so important that we see, you can find his lineage here. Therefore, he was a dear member of the church, so much so, so much so that 250 leaders sided with him. We can have leaders in our church, in this church, in other churches, that we love them, they're special, they have been set aside, they might be part of the worship team, they might be part of the children's ministry, they are active, you see them every Sunday, you see them uh, preaching, you hear them preaching, you see them every, everywhere, and they're good to the church, a.k.a. Korah. But the spirit that operated through Korah's rebellion has one thing to do, and is divide the church and have those people disappear just, and we see it, it's quite literally there. The earth opened up and swallowed them. The tent is coming. We're going to have the tent in a couple months, I think a couple months, yes. And my desire is that everybody in Wilmington, North Carolina, or within miles of reach, comes here to receive from Jesus. And it's not my desire. I know that it's Jesus' desire. Because then I'm thinking, okay, if I don't like someone and they're throwing out a barbecue, I'm not going to show up. I don't like the people, so why should I go there? See, it's the same thing with what God is doing. There is rain coming. And God's heart is the heart of a mother that wants to reunite their children with tenderness. And we have to pray. And again, that's why I told you don't leave and, and, and hold on. If you left our church, Global River Church, or if you left another church, it's not about you being wrong. It's about you letting go and forgive. So if that church throws up a barbecue, you're like, really? Sure, sure, sure. Like, can I come? Of course, I would love to be there. That's an oversimplified way to say, I feel in my heart that God is setting up revival. And revival, God's heart, it will end up being for a few, but it's not God's heart for it to be for a few. If God has appointed Global River Church to be the epicenter of a revival, He wants those who are carrying offense against us to feel loved. And for the spirit of Korah that has influenced them to leave. If, if uh, this is the thing, I'm terrible with names. I don't know any Christian personalities. I really don't. Any Christian celebrities, I am terrible with that. I honestly don't know. Oh, do you know Pastor so-and-so? Like, huh? Have you heard uh, uh, Apostle so-and-so? Like, I recently now can recognize Abner Suarez because I've seen him, and when someone said Abner Suarez, I'm like, yes, I know that guy. I know that guy. Yes, yes. And we went through the conferences, and if, if someone says Randy Clark, I'm like, I know, I know, I know, I know. But that's it. <laughs> Seriously, that's it. And I think what's um, Heidi Baker, because my wife really looks up to her, but that's it. That's, that's the three. And Andrew Corson in Bogota, Colombia is my pastor. That's it. So my point here is, if we have 
um, offense against other pastors in Wilmington in North Carolina. God wants to remove the spirit of Korah from you because he wants us to be together. I'm pretty sure the Bible tells me that it wasn't God's desire to have Korah um, be, swallowed by, by, uh, be swallowed by the earth. It doesn't, that's not the God I serve. He is just and he does not leave room for sin. So he, his justice, his ways are higher than ours. So we will understand the why and he will tell us why he killed them back then. When we go to heaven, he will, we, our eyes will be open and we'll understand the full of it. But we serve a God that he didn't want to kill Korah. That's Nico. That's Nico. Take that with a grain of salt. That's Nico, but I'm pretty sure he didn't want to kill Korah. And he doesn't want us to leave church because of offense. But then what happens if we carry offense? I've carried offense here. I'm going to be transparent. I've, there are some things that I've, that I've seen, and I, was not a, I did not agree. And God told me that I can share something with you. One day, there was something going on at the Hispanic church. Oh, no, Pastor Tom was there, actually. It was not against you, Pastor Tom, by the way. But we were seeing some things with Diana. And I'm being transparent because I don't want things to be over-spiritualized, but the point I wanted to make is that we're a work in progress. The fact that I'm here speaking is because God wanted to, not because I'm better than you in any, in any way. Whew, no. So on that day, uh, there was something going on, and we didn't agree with some. We could clearly see that um, there were some people, and I'm not talking against Pastor William, Pastor Nilsa, uh, but we could see on something that was going on, and I have to be very clear so there's no room for, for gossip. It was nothing that Pastor Willie, Pastor Nilsa, Pastor Tom did, but there was something that was just not quite right. There was a Jezebel that was trying to operate. It was not quite right. So because we had the, we could see it, we immediately got defensive. But God spoke to us right away and said, it is better for you to be in the back and be called to the front. And I remembered, and I told Diana, we're going to honor the atmosphere. We're going to honor God and what He's doing. And we stepped back at the, last, uh, at the last row in the Hispanic church. And as we did that and started interceding for God to come and to fix everything that was going on. I have Pastor Wheelie's face right here. He smiles with that smile, with that smile that, you've, that you know and love. And he does this. <laughs> and that day, we did a minister. We ended up praying for someone, and we did more in three minutes than what would have what than instead of thirty minutes of ministry time up front. So the spirit of Korah will present your argument as a correct one. Will tell you you're right, and if you read it, they were who likes to be in the desert. I don't. Who likes to see people die after they've done something or to receive a very severe punishment? I don't. So you can say that they were right. And that's the point. The spirit of Korah can operate in us, so it is our job to run to God and say, God, so bear with me. 
What should we do to deal with the spirit of Korah? Let's see. What did Moses do? His response. Remember when I told you on verse 4 that says, he fell face down on the ground. Uh, Studying that, um, there is a very, since it doesn't say it quite literally, but uh, there's a lot of um, studies that indicate that that is an act of, uh, of contrition, of worship, an act of prayer. So we could say that when it says in part B of verse 4, he fills face down on the ground, the first response out of Moses was to seek God first. If you study this tonight or whenever you have time, it doesn't say the core came to God with an issue. It doesn't say the core and his people came to God with a complaint. But Moses did. But Moses did. Then if we keep, uh, if, if we keep, keep on going, he addressed Korah and their people after. So we must come to God. And it is not easy. And it's not easy because we're angry, because we might be offended, because we might be upset, because we might not, we might not see things changing. But Moses went straight to God. And if we go back to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5, they're speaking highly of Moses. Moses, verse 5, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. So we see in the way that Moses conducted himself that that is what we must do. And it's difficult because here by the commas and so on and so forth, we don't see how long did it take him to uh, stand up, uh, but that between laying down and looking for God and standing up with an answer, that might be a month, that might be a week, that might be two months. You might come to God before God with, with your complaint, and His answer might take longer than you expect because some topics, some issues, um, we need maturity to address. And sometimes... We lack it. Um, I often say I don't trust Aniko from two weeks ago because he was young and inexperienced. You should say that to yourself every now and then because it happens to us, and the Bible says so. In in Job, it says that the wisdom doesn't come as a result of age, but the being filled by the Holy Spirit. So we can, I can have, I see 22 year olds done things that I'm like, wow. When I grow up, I want to be like you. I see 50s, well, I see 70-some-year-olds acting up like if they were 13. So it's a condition of the heart. Experience happens, and we have to honor those who have, uh, who have gone through life. I'm only 32. So I honor those who have lived more than I mean, my parents. They've been married for longer than I've ever been, than I've been, been alive. For that reason, they know. But there's also a measure of that maturity that comes through the revelation of Jesus Christ in our lives. And His truth reveal, his character reveal through the, through the issue. 
And again, this is a tough one. This is not a, okay, five minutes later, I got the answer. Also, it might take months, it might take, it might take years. And what happens with the spirit of Korah is that this complaint, even though it was justified, can end in separation, can end in that people leaving. And you know what? That's why I told you to hold on. Maybe God allowed you to leave our church. Maybe God allowed you to leave the ch church X because he loves you. Because he knew you couldn't handle it anymore. See, God loves his church and God loves his people. They're the same thing if we really go in depth. But God allows sometimes people to leave because they know, he knows that if they stay, they'll blow up because they're just holding things. They're just holding things. They're just holding offense. So sometimes God allows for that separation to happen because if that person stays, they will damage the church. Because if that person stays, the church will damage that person. And see, it's not as easy, right? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Because I'm saying you could be right, you could be wrong. It doesn't appear to be very clear, but it is. It's not easy, but it's clear. See, a mother will never forget his child. I remember when I, I, I understood, and I want you to go to uh, Genesis chapter uh, 16, uh, chapter 6, verse 6. When, when my baby was born, in one of the nights that he was crying, just because babies cry, I understood. I understood this passage. Genesis chapter 6. And verse 6. Oh, I'm so sorry. Not ver that's my wrong. Um, I'm going to, here it is. Chapter 16, not 6. So I have a typo there on the second, second page. Uh, it's uh, all chapter 16, not chapter 6. So if you see a 6 there, it's missing a 1. It's 16. When Abraham's wife mistreated her servant, she fled. God came to her tenderly. He told her to go back. That's a difficult one. But then, when it was time, and that Sarah said to, to Abraham, she has to leave. Like, she has to leave, yes or yes. God told Abraham, do as your wife says. And we see how she, uh, in, in later in, in verse 18, we see how she was wandering around in the wilderness and she had nothing left to eat or to drink. So she stayed aside uh, and left the baby um, or the young boy. It's not clear if it's a baby uh, still breastfeeding or a toddler. But it says, when the angel of the Lord came, it says, God heard the boy's cry. And when I picked up my son, I understood God hears your cry. God knows when there is unjust treatment. God knows when the leaders of your church have mistreated you. 
God is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Nothing goes past him. He knows. He hears your cry. So if this, again, it's not about Moses. It's about Jesus because Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus, the word of God, God our Father, his character. He is a God who hears our cry. And when I held my child, I got and I said, God, now I understand how you feel. He was there crying. I feel what you feel. So I understood that God will not let you alone crying. He hears your cry. He's moved. He's faithful to his word. But he's not faithful just to, in order to be faithful. He loves to be faithful. There, he is moved. So, if you've, if you've suffered unjust treatment by church leaders, God knows. If you have something against the leaders or leaders in your past, God also knows, but you must know that you have to take this with God and you have to honor the authorities. You might be right, but my friend, you're wrong. Because Korah was taken away. He was swallowed by the earth. And God sent fire and killed 14,000 more. And that's a tough one. But that's when we see that there is black and white. I had an experience. We had, uh, my, as many as you know, um, my father-in-law almost died of COVID. He was a whole month and some in, in the ICU, and he is alive and kicking, and we're loving it. But we heard that one of the pastors in the Amazon, his son, died of COVID, and he was 27. That's one of those tough ones where you sit down and you're like, but God, but God, why? And immediately the, the Holy Spirit convicted me and stopped me right away. And he said, my, way, my ways are higher than yours. You don't understand. And that was it. That was the end of the argument. I said, yes, sir, I don't understand. You'll talk to, I will know the truth. My eyes will be open when I get to heaven. So when a higher justice is needed, no. A higher justice is needed. Always. Because, my friend, you can be right but also you will be wrong, and you can be wrong as well. And you're allowed to come to God every time because He's not going to dismiss you. Tuesday, I think, we woke, I woke up to the best thing ever, and it's uh, my little boy. He laughs. Then I'm changing his diapers, and that was the floodgates opening. Oh my gosh. It was everywhere. It was in the wall. It was one of those bad ones. It was on the wall. It was everywhere. And I see this and I'm like, oh my God, it's everywhere. I'm like, oh my God. And I'm then trying to swim, surrounded by all of that, all that sea of poo. <laughs> and I'll call my wife and say, Jonna, help. She wakes up, and we change the diaper. My wife 
the measure of her love for our son did not change one bit. The measure of God's love for you doesn't change one bit if your diaper is full. <laughs> and, I <laughs> and I send this to an email, on an email to Pastor Tom, and I say, yes, there is biblical uh, backup to, to the... To the crying, I couldn't find any biblical backup to the poop in the diaper. <laughs> so if you do, Pastor, please let me know. <laughs> but my point here is um, God doesn't uh, love you any less if you're wrong or if you're filled with poop. Poop is offensive poop. It smells terrible. We have to change our baby because it will irritate the skin. It's damaging to its skin. That's why you don't get babies get diaper rash. And a mother knows. And he fights. It doesn't make any sense. You're covered in poop. Why are you fighting? <laughs> like, why? And he cries. I'm like, what the heck? Dude, I'm changing your diaper. Of course, I don't speak like this to my son. You, you, if you'll see me, no, I'm trying to be funny. But, but we fight. Daniel, is my mic good? Because I feel it moving. Okay. But that's, that's us. We're filled with poop sometimes. <laughs> we just pooped our pants. <laughs> and we're fighting God. And we don't want him to, to change us. But if we don't allow him to change and remove the poop and clean us, <laughs> it, will, it will stink, but also it will hurt us. And infections can build from that. Um, knowing this, our, pediatri our pediatrician told us, we're very diligent with this, but one of those things that you learn, like, yeah, sometimes um, infections can form from a diaper rash. I'm like, huh. Sometimes infections can form from an argument that you're not letting God remove or resolve. And you can leave church beaten and bruised. And that's why we have no people. That's why we have people leaving the church. And it hurts my heart because it's not even hurting my heart, but it knows that it hurts God's heart. Like, why, are, why, you, why do you leave? That's not my plan. It hurts. God's heart. And the reason why highlighted, God highlighted this M. Oh gosh, I only have 10 minutes. I still have to go through witchcraft. Is uh, <laughs> because the rain is coming. And a mother wants all his children on her table. All of them. All of them. All of them. And God wants us to pray for those who have left churches, including our church, for them, for a spirit of reconciliation to come. And to, um, and for them, and for us, because it's not them. That's where the problem starts. When we start saying them, ee, the Bible says so. Don't look at your neighbor. <laughs> look at the big thing you have in your eye. It's about all of us. And that's the mother spirit that goes against chorus rebellion. I, I found this when I, remember I told you, uh, hold on this one, chorus sons were not there. 
I didn't know this. But, and this, is, this was the way that I was going to tie this to witchcraft, so I'm going to have to go over witchcraft in like eight minutes, but rebellion, the Bible says, is like witchcraft. If you don't trust me, if you don't believe what is coming out of my mouth right now, don't worry. If you have your Bible, as I always say, you can prove me wrong or you can prove me right. And I love this, and, and, and I thought it was kind of funny. This, when, I, when I highlighted witchcraft, it, I wrote down, we could be looking for the reverse pentagram on someone's shirt at church or an evident act of the occult to think of witchcraft. Yeah, attacks happen. Satanists, I had a friend that once was once on a plane with a Satanist and she didn't know and they were talking and the guy said, oh, we, for some reason they, they spoke, he looked like, he didn't, I mean, he looked like you and me. I mean, he didn't have blood coming through his eyes or anything. You could have just talked to him and had a great time with whatever. She was talking to him. Oh, we're fasting. Like, cool, really? She said, why are you guys fasting for? Or, of course, not literally, but that was a question asked, and he replied, uh, for families to break, for marriages to get divorces. That was a long flight for her. So it does happen, but the Bible tells us that witchcraft and re rebellion to God is the same as witchcraft. So you might not have the 666 tattooed in your forehead or the reverse pentagram on a shirt or tattooed on you, but there could be rebellion. And where do we find this? And it's going to get so good. And maybe I'm just uh, getting excited about it because, I don't know, if you don't like strawberries and you hear somebody talking about how good strawberries are, you're like, yeah, cool. But in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22b says, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to His voice? See how beautiful this ties up? It's not saying in this one to, your, to His commands. It's saying to His voice. It's so tender. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering, that, uh, that offering, that offering the fat rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. Tell you what, I didn't know this, but Samuel comes from the lineage of Korah. His sons, the Jewish tradition teaches this and the history teaches that they did not perish. So I have to go and look it up and say, hoo-hoo, are they trying to skew us from the truth? No, it doesn't say they're sons. So we find that they're sons, and they, there's biblical basis to this in Psalm 42, I think. I will try to give you this nugget more, but there is biblical reference of this, of his sons. Actually, they lived. Um, so it's very interesting because it says that 250 uh, uh, of the of the most prominent leaders of the of, of the Israelites were there along with some others, and they all died, and fourteen thousand perished. But then Samuel comes back and says, "This rebellion is like witchcraft. If you cannot find poetry on that one, ooh, 
It's beautiful. I was like, whoa, God, this is awesome. I love it when the Word of God just gives out those. It's so poetic and beautiful and so true. So the third M is mercy. And I'm going to have to close with this one. Um, and it ties up to something that I see in, in churches in nowadays, and it's witchcraft. And it's witchcraft for the sake of witchcraft uh, and new age, but also witchcraft tied to rebellion. And we need to understand, and God is calling us to understand, that rebellion is delicate. That if we have something against our pastors, if you have something against someone on leadership, you must bring it to God. God is not telling you just buy the bullet and go with it. No, He's telling you, I am here. I listen to your cry. I hear you. But you might be wrong. I hear you, and you're right. But you might be wrong. It's very difficult because in Genesis, when it's laid out, God knew what was going to come out of, um, out of Ismail. And still, he delivered this beautiful promise to him. That's complex. So the point here is that there are some issues that are complex. And you might hold a point of view that can carry uh, truth. But the best of our truths are still skewed. Only the knowledge of Christ, when the day of Christ comes, then we'll see. Then we'll know. We are, we are the result of generations behind, uh, that were before us, that were uh, prior to us. We are the result of our culture. Um, we are the result of our tr family traditions. We are the result of uh, our customs, our way of thinking, our way of eating. So you could be wrong. But also, you can have a valid, um, you can have a valid point. So, and I'm going to close with this because time is up. Um, God wants to bring restoration and restitution to within His body and bring back those who have left the church in offense as we are all called to receive the rain that is coming. And Sarah, uh, could you jump to the keys? And I'm just going to close and I'm going to ask you for one more minute. I promise I'll be brief, but this is very important. Not because Nico says so, but because it's twice in the same chapter. Somebody told me that when God says something once, pay attention. If He says something twice, pay attention. If He says it three times, you're probably dead already, and He's talking to someone else. So, <laughs> thank you for laughing on that one. Um, and is this. When, and that is in first, uh, I'm so sorry, that's not in first. That's in Hebrew, in Hebrews. And it says twice, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. 
It says it twice in that chapter. It actually does. If you don't believe me, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so trying to finish that I kind of lost myself a little bit. I found it. It's in Hebrews chapter 3. And in chapter 3, it says, Today, verse 8, Today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. Says it again, verse 15, starting on B. Today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled. And if you can join me and stand up, the Spirit, God, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is, just as love is not a feeling, I even would say that it's not a decision, it is a person, and that is Jesus. So when someone tells you love is love to justify uh, gay marriage, love is not love. Jesus, love, He is the embodiment. He is love. And when Jesus reveals truth on a very delicate situation, on a conflict, He might show you something that is wrong with you. And if it says it twice in the Bible on the, on the same chapter, it's because that is our tendency. That some truths are difficult because we will harden ourselves. So, Father God, I thank you because our hope is in you. And you're so good that you laid out, you knew these events will teach us truths. So you allowed us to have access to these records on Moses' life and so many other things through your word. What the apostles did. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray right now. And I ask you, Jesus, your presence to come. Holy Spirit. And Father God, together as a church, we ask for forgiveness. If we have heart in our hearts when you have spoken truth to us. Maybe if the, if the truth went over our heads because we immediately hardened our hearts. Jesus, we ask for forgiveness if you plead, and we plead your blood. If our hearts have the tendency to go to a place of hardness, that your character, thank you, God, because we have you. Jesus, thank you, God, because you decided for us to live in this time and to have access to you through Jesus of Nazareth, your son, your own, God's only son. And we can come to you and say, God, this is unfair. God, do you see this? Who told you that I don't listen, says God. When Abraham's servant encountered the angel of God, he referred to him, the Bible says, as El Roi, the God who sees me. And today God wants to tell you that He sees you. He's no strange to your situation. He sees your heart. He is the God who sees you. He sees. And Father God, allow us to come. And we ask for forgiveness to, to let, for letting the Spirit of Korah to operate through us.
to let the spirit that operated through Corin, his rebellion, to operate through us, to our church, through our church, through the churches here in Wilmington, through the church of Christ. We ask for forgiveness, not only on our behalf, but on behalf of our church, on behalf of our church here in the United States, on behalf of the church here globally, because your desire is for all your children to be at your table. So allow us to be like your son, Jesus, that he did not take his holiness as something to, to be, his godliness to be something to be grabbed on, but he went to the cross and let it all there. Allow us to understand Moses' example that he bowed down in prayer and he seek you first. Father God, I thank you because you have a mother's heart. And I, and I feel that in this moment, we, we, we are allowed to receive that, that love from God as a mother. Right now, you are, and me as well, Nico, and you over there sitting down, or if you're here from live stream, through live stream, I want us just to take a second and receive that anointing, that covering of a mother's love from God. God and I pray that you open up the heavens and for mercy to fall on us and it re it's renewed every morning so we can give mercy to those who have offended us and we can align to you. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray for this, this time. I plead your blood over this message and your presence because we're here to be a sacrifice but it's you who brings the fire. So, Father God, your word is truth. Allow us to come to you and thank you for the person of Jesus. And if today you carry offense, if the Holy Spirit highlighted someone that you're carrying offense against, bring it to Jesus. He's a good God. He's, he has the, carries the love of a mother. That It doesn't matter if your diaper is full. He's there to love you more than ever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God.